Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins. This is podcast number 93, and we are going to cover a lot of great questions that came in this week from the Mandarin Blueprint Community Forum, from comments on either the Mandarin Blueprint Method video course or Pronunciation Mastery course, from emails. Uh, There's a lot of good questions that came in, many grammar-related, many sentence structure-related, and uh, of course, we always have the mnemonic scene shares from the Hanzi Movie Method, which is our patent-pending method for learning Chinese characters faster than it was ever possible before. If you're new to the podcast, that's what it's all about, and uh, we're also going to start with a grammar point, so we're going to cover a particular grammar point in Chinese, and we'll start all podcasts this way for the foreseeable future. And today's grammar point is covering the tag GW connector because this, so that, lian si, yin wei, suo yi. So GW connector just means grammar word connector as in a conjunction, which is a lian si in Chinese. And lian si literally means connect word, so hence why we call them connectors. They tend to just put together two different clauses in the sentence in different ways. And so today's is based on the idea of setting up a reason for an action. So the first clause is establishing a reason, and you'll put yin wei at the beginning of that first clause. So uh, yin wei means because, which is literally translated as reason in for, wei. So reason for, and so then you'll say what the reason is, and then the second clause, you'll start that with soi and then put in the action. So soi means so, and so you'll say because plus reason, so plus action. So let's look at some example sentences so you get a feel for it. Sentence one. 因为要迟到了,所以我走得很快. Because I'm going to be late, I'm walking fast. So the reason the speaker is performing the action, 走得很快, is because... They're going to be late. But in English, we wouldn't normally say because reason, so action. That's kind of redundant. We wouldn't, it's kind of just implied that the so is there. So just bear that in mind that in Chinese, you'll often put them both together. You'll say, So if that's something that happens and it's a little bit confusing, just you'll get used to it. And you can omit them, which we'll get into later. But also take note that in English, we'll tend to say, because I'm going to be late, I'm walking fast. So we double establish the the subject of I. Whereas in Chinese, you only have to put it once. So in this example, so we only put in wo in the second clause, so you can establish the subject in the second clause, and you don't have to put it in both. You can, uh, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not necessary, and so that's kind of, so on the one hand, you have this part of the sentence that English doesn't have, in the sense that you say because and so in the same sentence, but then you also only have to establish the subject one time, so um, just bear that in mind. Now, naturally, some of you might be thinking, well, In English, we also wouldn't tend to say the reason before the action. We tend to say, I'm walking fast because I'm going to be late. Whereas the order here is, because I'm going to be late, I'm walking walking fast. And we tend to put the action first followed by the reason. Uh, And you can do this in Chinese as well, but you have to add two characters to it. So there's this structure, which is, So, Let's take a look at this same sentence, but in that structure. So, 我之所以走得很快,是因为要迟到了。So that's an example of where you put the action first, followed by the reason. Now, if you do this, you need to put 之 before 所以, and 之 is the archaic form of the word of the character 的, which is the most common character in Chinese, 的. And that just indicates possession. And it's kind of an interesting thing. So if you say, 我之所以, it's almost like you're saying, my so is, which is a little bit weird, but it's uh, kind of an interesting way to conceptualize it. And then uh, if you say, 我之所以, 走得很快, then you have to say, 是因为, so you must add 是 before, like, so my reason for walking fast is because, uh, so that's an example of the way you can switch the order by putting the action first and then the reason. But the only other thing you should know about this, though, is that the 之所以, wei structure is a little bit more formal. And as we've talked about many times before, 
Formal language is not wrong to use in spoken language. It just makes you sound a bit more proper, which you know may or may not be appropriate to the context. Okay, so let's take a look at another sentence here. 因为我晚上八点才下班，所以他们等不了我回家去吃饭。So this is an example where you could, if you wanted to, take out the 所以. So you could say, 因为我晚上八点才下班，他们等不了我回家去吃饭。So either way, it's because I don't get I don't get off work until eight. They can't wait for me to come home to eat. And so sometimes you can omit 所以. If the context is clear enough, which in this sentence is clear enough, because it's like you're in the first start part of the sentence, you're establishing that it's a bit late that you get off work. And that, by the way, that's the tai. That's the why that tai is there. Wo wan shang ba dian tai xia ban. That tai indicates that from the speaker's perspective, ba dian or eight o'clock is a bit late, right? If he said wo wan shang ba dian zhou xia ban. Then from the speaker's perspective, he thinks that 8 o'clock is early. But, you know, on the basic 9 to 5 uh, schedule, you can understand why he would say that uh, 8 is kind of late to get off work. And so, because that context is super clear, if you want, you can omit the 所以 uh, and just go right to 他们等不了我回家去吃饭. They can't wait for me to come home and eat. So, again, there's this reason, action, uh duo here that we're getting. And remember that 之所以是因为 bit. Let's take that same sentence and turn it into that particular structure. So how about this? 他们之所以等不了我回家去吃饭 So once again, you can switch the action to the first part of it and the reason to the second part by going 之所以是因为 And uh, let's take a look at another sentence. 我家的钟坏了 the clock in my house is broken, so I don't know what time it is now. So the reason that I, or wo does not perform the action of knowing what time it is now, 知道现在是几点, is that the clock in my house is broken. So this is an example where you can omit wait if you want. There's no need to necessarily add it. Again, if the context is clear, you can all, you can have one or the other. Now, I find that when I'm starting off with this and I'm a beginner with the yinwei suoyi structure, I usually include them at the be at, in both uh, clauses. But as you get more advanced, you'll start to see, okay, I don't need to add the yinwei or I don't need to add the suoyi. And there's no like hard and fast rule about it, but it is good to know that you can omit them if you want, but at the beginning, you might as well include them each time to be clear, to make sure it's clear what you're saying to a native speaker. Now, remember, you could also say, 我之所以不知道现在是几点,是因为我家的钟坏了。So it's again, it's the same thing where you flip the action and the reason by using the 之所以是因为 structure. So keep this structure in mind as you get more new input. And uh, when you see it, ask yourself, where is the reason and where is the action? So keep it up. Okay, now we'll move on to the comments and emails from this week. So we have uh, Dennis Aganin on Anki Dex inside. Now just look at how solid that foundation is. This lesson is the final lesson of the Mandarin Blueprint Method Foundation course. And check this out. Dennis says, amazing course. I'll write a review later, I promise. Thanks, Dennis. Initially, I wanted to finish within a month as I have, uh, as I already have a background in Chinese, but full-time work on my business and family matters made it a bit harder. Haha. <laughs> Still, 40 days is good enough for me. Now straight to the intermediate course. Well, finishing the foundation course in 40 days is fantastic. That's a 592 characters, about a thousand words, loads of sentences that go along with that. And of course, you were probably able to skip some material because you already knew some stuff. But uh, well done. That's really, really fantastic. So uh, good for you, Dennis. And um, you know, keep it up as you keep moving forward. That's awesome. Now we had another... Uh, comment on that same lesson from Makai Albert. And he said, great course. Thanks for all your help. I will definitely be writing some reviews. This has been a great journey and super excited to move on. Thanks, guys. Well, it's so great now to see people coming uh, in each week, finishing the foundation course. And now we're even getting some people finishing the intermediate course. Uh, it's super exciting. And so uh, if any of you want to help us out by um, sending us a review and even better, 
if you want, you could send us a video of you saying at least like a line or two of what you think about the course in Chinese. And we'll be happy to help you with like the best way to say that and whatever. You can just send us an email at uh, podcast at mandarinblueprint.com. But great job, everybody. You're doing fantastically. And so just for those of you who haven't gotten that far in the course yet, remember, there are people who are like just like you who are getting through it uh, just by showing up every day. So well done. Next, Christina Vivsik on bonus the language learning tripod attitudes. This is about uh, the three. The language learning tri tripod is attitude, attentiveness, and time. So attitudes point one, and uh, she says yes, well said. And again, uh, those that haven't been to China will only believe what they've heard, which is mostly negative. Chinese are also very hardworking, friendly, and not to mention the streets are super clean. <laughs> Love you guys covering the attitude and mindset individuals should have when learning about another culture and language. Yeah, this is very important when you're learning a language not to, uh, you know, have any preconceived notions of what an entire culture, especially one as ancient as Chinese is, uh, you know, the, the, if you look at just Western media and, and their portrayal of China, it's always going to seem like China is a kind of negative place. But there's so much more to it than what you'll see in the news. Uh, I mean, obviously. So, but you know, it's uh, important to have that cultural weightlessness where you just go, if things are different than what I expect, you know. Interestingly enough, you should apply an Eastern philosophy to that and be very Zen about the whole thing and just go, okay, well, it is what it is. So they're they're doing things differently than what I'm used to, but that doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. Try to keep your judgments before you've had uh, time to really delve deep into the culture. Next, another one on the language learning tripod, but this one on time, we have Babes Gutierrez. She says, thanks so much for investing your time and effort and sharing the Mandarin blueprint to people who like to learn the language. In my opinion, you showed us the best way uh, of learning this language. This is my first time. I want to learn it because in my line of work, we regularly see people speaking Mandarin, and I have two good friends who can speak well. Again, thank you so much. So, yeah, so this uh, language learning tripod part three is uh, about the time commitment necessary. And time is one of those things when you think about it in its totality of how much time you're going to have to spend on uh, practicing before you get to fluency or literacy, it can seem so daunting, but it's kind of the wrong layer to look at unless you've gone pretty far with it. So when you're at the beginning, all that should really matter is what are you going to do next, right? Because if you've decided you want to learn Chinese, but then you get um, unmotivated by, say, thinking about, oh, it's going to take a thousand hours or something like that. And there's only 24 hours in a day, and I'm obviously not you know, studying all 24 hours, blah, blah, blah. That um, perspective is something that, you know, is understandable, but it's also like, well, let's suppose you stop then. What else are you going to do with your time? You're going to learn something else? Like, no matter what skill you're going to learn, if you want to become great at it, there's no way to avoid the the hours, the day-to-day -day showing up. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a grind. It can be an enjoyable time, but it's still the focus of your attention must be on uh, the particular task at hand. So if you're overwhelmed by the, the time it takes, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a weird way to think of it. But just remember, nothing's going to be fast. Nothing's going to not take time. You want to learn another skill, it's going to take some time. Now, obviously, different skills have different levels of instant gratification, and Chinese indeed has a, a longer period before you get to the gratification, but that just makes the gratification all the more sweet. You know, like if you learn uh, certain instruments, like guitar, for example, you can kind of get playing a song and guitar pretty quickly. Um, but if you ha if you want to play, like, say, French horn, uh, you have to spend ages trying to figure out how to get the horn just to make sounds because it's a, such a difficult instrument to play. But then when you get really good at French horn, you can be quite proud of it because it's such a hard instrument. So... Uh, some languages are going to have more instant gratification than Chinese does, but Chinese will have uh, such a great long-term gratification. I mean, who isn't uh, impressed when they can actually read and speak Chinese? It's, uh, it's quite a, an achievement. Next, Anne Bihari on New Vocabulary Unlocked for Moody, which means purpose or objective or, yeah, that's the idea here. And so she says, curious if this sentence, the Moody. 只是帮助人, may also be translated as my objective slash purpose is to be a helpful person. So I would say no, because the 只是, or the 目的, 只是帮助人, 
uh, is likely what they're trying to say is um, like suppose somebody accused them of uh, having ulterior motives. So like uh, you're helping out some people, but somebody thinks you're just helping them out so that you get uh, recognition on social media or something like that. You're not helping them because you want to you just want to be helpful. And the fact that the person is saying, well, the moody the adding in which means only is giving a tone of like contradiction like so no no it's i'm only doing this to help people so i would say that the idea of saying my objective slash purpose is to be a helpful person you'd probably say um like you'd probably end with moody if that was the uh uh, correct translation. To, so to make the translation, my objective purpose is to be a helpful person, the sentence likely end with the moody, right? That's my purpose. So whatever you put before it is leading up to what your purpose is. And so in this sentence, because it's I'd say it's more, like I said, it's a, trying to contradict somebody who's maybe saying that your purpose is something else. Okay, next we have a question from Christine on New Vocabulary Unlocked for Guolai. She says, Hi, I am confused by the uh, purpose of isha and position in this sentence. So the sentence is, 你过来看一下我的木勺子, uh, which translates to, uh, Come over and take a look at my wooden spoon. And you might think, why would this be the sentence? This is very early in the course, and there's only so much vocabulary that we have. So, 勺子 is one of the words, spoon, and we also have mu, and so, which means wood. So if you say mu shalz, that's a wooden spoon. So uh, why would somebody say that? Well, you know, I don't know, maybe it's broken. And they're like, hey, come over for a minute and take a look at my wooden spoon. And so it looks like Christine got a little bit confused about the where the words are broken up. So she says, if I have to translate this literally, and yes, I know I shouldn't really do that. It says, you come over, uh, look all of the sudden, or in a short while, the isha my wooden spoon. So I'm assuming isha is an adverb here. Uh, so is that then saying come over in a short while or look in a short while? Since if it is come over for a short while, then why is it not isha, not directly after come over? Uh, or is kaisha a type of expression that is always used together? Hope that makes sense, Christine. So yeah, this is um, the, the isha here. She's seeing it as a separate word, but it's actually connected to kaisha. So Isha just means for a moment, and whenever you put isha after a verb like can, it just means that verb for a moment. Um, so you can, there's three ways you can do this actually. So you could say, 你过来看看我的木勺子. That would mean, uh, come over and look for a moment, and that's doubling up the verb, 看看. Uh, another way you can do is to say, verb e verb. So for example, 你过来看一看我的木勺子. That also means the same thing. Come over and look for a moment at my wooden spoon. Or you can add 你过来看一下我的木勺子. So that's how you uh, break the sentence down. And if you put 以下, or double up the verb, or put uh, verb, e verb, that indicates that do that verb for a moment, uh, for just a, and casually kind of. Next, Simon on it's a word for yeah. He says, with the sentence, 下午我想吃面包，也想吃鱼。Would you need to add 这 at the start to highlight it was this afternoon, as in the same day? Well, first of all, with the sentence 下午我想吃面包, the fact that you're just saying 下午 at the beginning indicates that you probably think that you're probably talking about today, this afternoon. It's like sort of the contextual that. You would, if it wasn't this afternoon, you would add more to it to indicate that it was tomorrow afternoon or or the day after tomorrow in the afternoon. So the fact that you don't put anything before it is contextually uh, clear that you mean today. But you do not say 这下午. You say 今天下午. Uh, so 今天下午 means today in the afternoon, uh, this afternoon. You don't say 这 in the context of uh, this of time in this way in Chinese. Beth Perazzo on New Vocabulary Unlocked for Yimwei. We actually talked about this sentence earlier in the podcast. She says, In Why is it Deng Bu instead of Bu Deng? So Tamen Bu Deng Wo Hui Jia Chu would mean 
they're not waiting for me to come home. Whereas that means they are unable to wait for me. So uh, this second pronunciation of liao, we've talked about it a few times in the course, and you'll definitely see it come up again as you continue through the course. But liao uh, means unable to complete or finish something. liao uh, means able to complete or finish up something. So liao means unable to finish or complete the process of waiting dung right so uh that's why that's the difference between saying dumbuliao and bu dung alex summary on new vocabulary unlocked for shui guo hi one and all so occasionally there'll be a top-down word formed of characters we already know like bu, which means never but that weren't introduced to us in vocabulary unlocked lessons. Is there a specific reason for this, or can we feel free to add them our, ourselves? You can definitely add them if you want uh, as a new vocabulary uh, unlocked card uh, in your Anki. But the reason why we didn't include all of them is because there we wanted in the foundation course to make sure that the uh, the words that you're unlocking and focusing on making flashcards for are within the top 1,000 words by frequency in the language. Now, you'd usually say 从来不, uh, not so much 从不, but it is something you can say, so we just include it as a top-down word, but we're not saying that uh, you need to necessarily make a flashcard for it because you have to draw a line somewhere for what are your priorities in the beginning, and the priorities should be the most frequent words. And then as you move into the intermediate course and then the advanced course, there's going to be all sorts of words that you'll see that because your foundation is so strong, you'll easily be able to pick up on them based on a lot of different contexts, not just the context of the word itself. So this is all just to say that uh, it's okay for you to add it if you want. You can add any vocabulary flashcard you want. If you see a word in the wild that you uh, want to add to your vocabulary flashcards, go for it. Uh, but the reason is that we had to draw the line at uh, some point and we decided to make it the most, the thousand most frequent characters so that we could cover 80% of Chinese by frequency. Another question from Alex Sumray on It's a Word for Tzio. Uh And this is a great question. I love these types of questions. So he says, I'm rather struggling with this sentence. 我今天救了两只腿受伤的狗. The grammar in, in this just seems so alien, not to reinvent 中文语法, Chinese grammar, but wouldn't 我今天救了两只的狗腿受伤 make more sense for all involved? Well, no, that sentence definitely doesn't make sense to me, but I'll break down, the, like your version of the sentence doesn't make sense to me, but the I'll break down how it works. So the basic... Um, Structure of this sentence is 我就go. I saved dog. That's the basic subject, verb, object of the sentence. Now, everything else that comes in is modifying different parts of that basic structure. So the first bit isn't too hard. The adding 今天 and 了 doesn't change too much. So 我今天, so I today, 就了, so completed the action of saving. So that part is not the hard part. The, the hard part is what's modifying the object. The object is go. It's it's the um, it's the dog. And so let's there's two modifications to the uh, character dog. The first one is liangzhi, which means that it's not just one dog, it's two dogs. So you could say 我今天救了两只狗. So there, clear enough, you know, I saved two dogs today. But there's another modification to go to give a little more detail as to what kind of two dogs this is. So, 两只腿受伤的狗. So their legs, both of their legs were wounded. 受伤 means uh, to have an injury or wounded. Maybe they're broken, maybe they're just wounded, but the point is their, their legs were wounded. So, no wonder you saved them because they had wounded legs. And so, both of these, 两只 and tui shou shang are modifications to go. And that's what's called a ding yu. In Chinese grammar, a ding yu is any modification you make to the object or the subject. And so in this case, there are there are modifications to the object. And because there's two of them, they're called a, it's called a duo xiang ding yu. So duo xiang just means multiple. So like duo xiang ding yu means you have multiple modifications to the uh, object in this case. So 我今天救了两只腿受伤的狗
Hopefully that's clear. Next, we have a question from Anne Bihari on new vocabulary unlocked Shangqu. So this will be in uh, level 14, I believe. Do we use the building vocabulary word? That's the word low. Uh, it means building to indicate that we're talking about going upstairs slash inside outside a building. That makes sense to me. Then I got to thinking, what if we were answering how to come up in a treehouse situation or steps up a hill or mountain, presuming we would say it differently. So here's the the original um, sentence was, which means how do I go upstairs or go up the building, which is low. But you could ask an even more basic question, which would be, and so that would just mean, how do I go up? And in that, if you said that sentence, you can assume that the person, uh, it's very clear what the context is of what it is they're going up. It's a building or it's a mountain or it's a treehouse. But if you want to specify, you just put the location in between shang and chu. So, how do I go upstairs? How do I go up the mountain? Shan means mountain. That would mean, how do I go up to the treehouse? So, means treehouse. It's literally tree house. So, um, so as you can see, if you want to specify what it is that you're going up, you just put it right in between shang and tu. So that should be your answer for that one. Another uh, question from Anne on new vocabulary unlocked for deng deng. She says, what is the difference between shemada and deng deng for meaning etc? Uh, nothing. They're the same. Uh, the only small difference is that you probably won't use shemada in formal writing, uh, but you'll use deng deng in formal writing. But like, you can totally use deng deng in any everyday context to say etc. Because etc. in and of itself is kind of a formal uh, thing to say. So it's you know it's not um it's not inappropriate to use either of them. They mean the same thing. Darren Rieger on new vocabulary unlocked for gumar. She said he says is this. Beijing speak or representative of use everywhere in China? The mer being pronounced uh, like mer, it sounds like a Beijing accent, which I understand because in Beijing, so many things are pronounced with the r hua, that uh, extra r sound at the end of different syllables. However, in this case, I mean, first of all, there's never a absolute, an absolutely universal thing when it comes to Chinese because the dialects all have their own individual peccadillos. But I will say that uh, gumar, tends to be how people say it pretty much everywhere. If they say it like that in Sichuan, and we're very different from uh, Beijing here in the in terms of the accent, but gumar just tends to be the way that people say it, regardless of where you are, in Mandarin. So you can think of it like that. Even in standard Mandarin, people will tend to say uh, gumar. Next, we have a question from Alex Sumray on Baba, which is a story in phase four. He says, hi all, I'm just wondering how everything is. everyone is getting on with these stories and longer form pieces. How do you go about it? And um, how do you find the listening comprehension generally? For me, I'm finding that I can pick up on words and phrases after a few listens at the slower speed, but there will often be a sentence or two I just can't grasp and then lose the overall meaning. I'll then be able to read it fairly easily at this stage, which is when I find myself going, ah, of course, hoping my listening skills will improve slowly so that this, is, this comprehension can come before the reading part. So yeah, how are you all getting on? So obviously I can't answer this like other people on the course will be able to because, you know, it's um, I was already able to read it fluently when we wrote it. But uh, I will say that the fact that this is how you're feeling about it is totally natural because um, if you think about it, you know, of course the um, phase four is the first time we introduced longer form paragraphs and stories. So naturally that's going to be the point where it's the most difficult. So the fact that you're going through it and then you're occasionally missing a sentence or two, I mean, it's one of those things where, uh, of course it, that's happening. And also of course, like it's amazing that you can even recognize most of it. Like the fact that you're only missing like a sentence or two in a paragraph is already really impressive because you know, you didn't know anything <laughs> just a few months ago. So, um, it's normal, completely, uh, you should be completely uh, used to that. And what's going to happen is that as you read more and more long form uh, content, there's going to be clicking that constantly goes into place, which sounds like it's already happening for you anyways. You said you're getting those, ah, of course moments. So uh, not to worry, you'll be fine. Win Egrangsi, Egrangsi, I'm probably butchering that, on compound final EI, Shay, Tasha Shay, which is uh, in 
uh, pronunciation master master. He says, thanks for this lesson. Um, can I also say for who is that? Uh, or who is this? Um, yeah, sure. Um, it depends on the context, I suppose. Like if you're on the phone, for example, uh, you might say, uh, it's a little bit rude, but it's a little bit like, who are you? But, uh, it is a little bit, uh, like on the phone, it makes sense. Cause you could say, who is this? Right. Um, you wouldn't say Tashashe because Tashashe is what you would say if you were talking to somebody else. Like I got Luke here next to me and we see somebody in the distance and I say to Luke, Tashashe, because we're talking about somebody else. If you're talking directly with somebody, say on the phone, you might say Jushashe, as in who is this or texting Jushashe. Uh, so yeah, just it's just a little bit of contextual difference, but it's the same as English. Kim Thomas on Make a Movie for Sure. This is the Sure, which means time. She says, Sure, meaning time, and sure, meaning knowledge, are both pronounced in the second tone, right? Is it okay to change from the kitchen to hallway for the time sure movie, as I have previously used Sean Connery in the kitchen for sure knowledge movie? So what she's referring to here is that if two characters have the same pronunciation, then in the Hansa movie method mnemonic system, they're going to have the same person representing the uh, initial sound, the same set representing the final sound, and even the same room in the set, uh, because again, they're identical in terms of their uh, pronunciation. However, what is not identical is the two props. So the two props in shirt, meaning time, are the sun and a tape measure, if you go with our original props, and the two props in the uh, shirt, meaning knowledge, uh, are the megaphone and the, um, well, I guess it could be the, uh, depends on what you chose for only, um, but I think I think Oliver Twist was mine. So it'd be a megaphone and Oliver, Oliver Twist versus a sun and a tape measure. And then, of course, they have different meanings. So the one means time and the one means knowledge. So that means there's three points of distinction you can make between these two characters, despite the fact that they have the same pronunciation. Uh, if you want to move one to the hallway and one to the kitchen, that's okay, but it's, I don't think it's necessary. I think you could have them both in the kitchen and you'll be fine because, again, Two different props, two different meanings, or sorry, two different props, and they have different meanings. So that's three different points where you can make a clear distinction between the two stories. Hopefully that makes sense. Sarah Barden on Pick a Prop for Z. She says, is it, is it okay to use your own child for Z? Uh, you could. Yeah, sure. Um, this character comes up a lot as a prop in other characters, and so you could just choose your own child for that. I will say that uh, choosing your own child makes it so that uh, you'll not want to do certain things. Like, but it this comes up so little. Like we tell people that you shouldn't choose your mom and dad as actors or your child as actors for scenes because you're going to use them a lot. And you don't want to have uh, something like, for example, some scenes are very surreal. Some scenes are gory. Some scenes are sexual. And like, you don't want to get family members involved in that type of thing. But with a prop, props come up so rarely compared to actors that it's, Probably no problem at all. So you can, you absolutely can. Next, Darren Rieger on It's a Word for seat, which means to ride like a bike or a motorcycle. He says, I've uh, often heard it as when he's referring to which means to ride a bike, saying, I've often heard it as so like it's kind of, he's pointing out that kind of gets blended together. Right, it kind of gets a little bit um, blended when people speak, and that happens all the time. It's a sort of, as he points out here, it's a sort of slurring together of the two middle words. And yeah, like you know, um, if I say "What you doing?" "What are you doing?" "What you doing?" Right, like it's like they'll do the same types of things in Chinese. And that it's probably because it, it has. It's very easy to slur that together. And so I can see how that would be uh, an observation Darren would make. Good, good, uh, good ear. Babes Gutierrez on Simple Final U Quiz. Hi, just reviewing some pronunciation, and please correct me if I'm wrong. When I hear Annie pronounce these, uh, they seem to start with a K. What about G? It says it's pronounced like the K in skill. I am determined to learn how to speak, read, and write Mandarin slowly, but surely listening is very important. It's very important. Thank you so much for your clarification in advance. So uh, the difference between these is to do with aspiration. So K-E, 
kuh has the most air that comes out of your mouth when you say it. Kuh, kuh, whereas its counterpart, guh, guh, has no aspiration. It's kind of the that poppy G from the back of your throat. Guh, guh, kuh, kuh. And then huh, huh, that's H-E. There's no particular attack on that one. So huh, you got that strong k, k right at the beginning. Huh, there's no attack anywhere. It's just huh, 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 right? Um, huh, huh, they got a stronger attack, more aspiration. So both K and H are aspirated in the sense that there is air coming out of your mouth. Huh, but the difference is that has more of an attack. It's stronger in the initial attack. So that should be the difference there. And then skill, if you actually say the word skill, which is the um, the word, the English word we give to come up with the initial sound for you'll notice that when you say skill, you're not actually aspirating when you say that K. Whereas if you say, take the S away and you say kill, now there is air coming out of your mouth. Skill, skill, now there's no aspiration. No air is coming out of your mouth when you say So hopefully that's uh, clear, uh, distinguishing between those three. Next, we have Kim Krings on new vocabulary unlocked for Dian. When Dian is used in relation with numbers, does it relate to the time of day? When I see it, I'm a bit confused since we referred to it uh, in relation to a, a dot or a little bit. So the sentence she's referring to is 公司让我明天下午三点上班三点上班 So 三点 means 3 o'clock and it's an abbreviation actually for 三点钟钟 means clock so the 3 point on the clock is what it's referring to but they just abbreviate it and say 三点 uh, so I can understand why uh, you'd say, well, if we learn it as a dot or a little bit, uh, why would that be related to time? Well, it's like a point or a dot in time, like a point in time. So, 三点钟 or 三点公司让我明天下午三点上班 uh, So, that's literally tomorrow afternoon, 3 o'clock, go to work. So, um, that's the explanation for that there. Also, 点 in relation to numbers can also mean the decimal point. So, if I say 1.5. 一点五, so you actually say dian to represent the decimal. Uh, you know, 55.2, 五十五点二, right? It's like you just add that dian in, to indicate the uh, decimal point. Jimmy Clemens on the GW Helper Change 助词乐变化 lesson. So he says, can't the first two sentences technically mean I missed you or you could were able to speak? So the sentences are 我想你了 and 你可以说话了. Um, and so if you wanted to say I missed you, um, you would say 我想过你. 我想过你. So I missed you before and it's over. Like, it's, you know, because honestly, if you say I missed you, it's not presently happening anymore. Whereas 我想你了 means I miss you now or I, I, I do, I currently miss you and it's a change that's happened. So I wasn't missing you before and now I am. Uh, and then the second sentence, 你可以说话了. You would say 你是可以说话的. If you wanted to say uh, you could or were able to speak, you would say 你是可以说话的. That's the shi de construction, which indicates details about the past. So you could were able to speak, or you you were able to speak is The le indicates change. It's not necessarily talking about a detail of the past. So the shi something something de is the construction we use for talking about details or emphasizing details of the past. And that's uh we have another um article about that, which you can find in the sidebar of the course, and there's three tags related to the shu, construction. Anyway, so that's, uh, hopefully that answers that question. So it, it can't mean 我想你了, can't mean I missed you, because uh, it's currently still happening. It's just that there was a change and it wasn't happening before, and now it is. Uh, and the same thing with the second sentence. Next, we have a uh, comment from George Lore 
on start shadowing in phase four. He says, ah, now we're coming to the real thing. Shadowing is great. Already used it with Chinese pod stories. I downloaded the MP3s, cut it, cut them up with audacity, copied phrases a hundred times after another, of course, with some gap and then go. It's amazing. After 20 to 30 times, I started to make my tongue no longer flip around like a maniac. After 50 times, I started to sound more like a native. Well, I directly started with 100%, which is sometimes quite challenging, as one is not familiar with special tongue and mouth movements that fast, but everything is learnable. I here and then, uh, here and there also recorded myself and did a curve analysis. That's the ultimate proof whether pace, intonation, and volume are similar, not equal, of course. Yeah, shadowing is one of the best ways to go from uh, pronunciation understanding to pronunciation mastery. So, like, when you go uh, to, I know what I'm supposed to do to say this sentence, but then I start shadowing, that's when you really start to get it. That's when you start to sound much like a native speaker. So, glad to see that you're getting that, George. Simon, on new vocabulary unlocked for 时间. He said, would the phrase, what time is it, use the vocabulary, 时间, uh, and the answer is no. You'd actually say, uh, 几点, or 几点钟. So if I want to say, what time is it now, I'd say, 现在, now, 现在几点, or 现在几点钟. So this is very similar to what we talked about earlier, 点, can mean, can be related to time on the clock, and so we before we said 三点, or 三点钟, which would mean three o'clock, but if you don't know what time it is, you would say because of course G means how many, and uh, yeah, so that's what you'd say for um, for what time is it. 时间 is more like uh, the concept of time or length of time, so you might say 多长时间, how long does something take? So how long does it take me to record a podcast? Oh, about an hour. 多长时间. Next, we have a uh, comment from Jason Pond on bonus video, The Six Types of Chinese Character, Part 3 of 3. So, for the characters that are all pronounced the same, uh, for example, and he puts uh, the, he copy and pasted the seven characters that all are pronounced Li. Uh, and so you can take a look at them in the show notes here. Uh, and he says, um, does that mean that they are incomplete morphemes by themselves and require a second or third character to form compound words? Because when spoken out, all they will sound the same. So how would you understand what the word means unless you have the context of a complete word? Well, the answer is that some of them uh, must be used with other characters. So we've talked about this before. A character is a morpheme, but a morpheme isn't necessarily a word. Some morphemes are words. Uh, some morphemes are not words. So, uh, you know, I could say that um, the character, uh, the, the, that one character by itself, like Ren, is a morpheme, but it's also a word, person, you know. But other, other um, characters, like Li, must be combined with something else to indicate what type of power. So Li means power, but you can't just say power by itself. You have to, like, in the sense of you don't just say Li without indicating what kind of power. Maybe it's your Neng Li, your ability power, which is basically just your ability to do something. Or maybe it's your uh, Li Liang, your strength of, you know, the what strength uh, capacity you have, right? And so... Sometimes they're like that. And in this case, as it happens with these characters, most of these are non-word morphemes. However, uh, you also get the context of sentences and paragraphs when you figure out uh, what uh, word somebody is saying. Like, you don't just walk around saying one character by itself. So uh, the way you framed it in this uh, question, Jason, makes it seem like the only way you could find out what a character means is by seeing it in the context of a word, but you also have the context of a sentence. And so if a word that is a one-character word is a noun, then when you hear a sentence, you'll be able to figure out that word that they just said, even if I didn't know it was a noun uh, or it was an adjective or it was a verb, right? And so that gives you another uh, form of context by which to figure that out. William Beeman on casting call for C. He says, all of the examples you provided begin with the phonetic K, uh, like Chris or something like that. So we're choosing an actor to represent C, and we'll say Chris or Casper or something like that, like these types of names. And uh, But they're pronounced the phonetic K, but whereas the pinyin C is tss. So like, for example, Tao uh, is how you pronounce the C in pinyin. This is a bit confusing, but the only tss, Initial I can think of in English is tsitsi fly, 
Tsetse fly. <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, Tsetse fly is not a person. So you're getting, you kind of answered your own question. Why do we use the phonetic K? Because people's names don't start with ts in English, right? So, um, and, but remember, when you're doing a, a mnemonic, you just want to find something that makes you go write the word C. Like, you know that C in pinyin is pronounced ts. But if you see Christopher Walken standing there and that makes you remember, okay, the pinion of this character starts with C, then you've succeeded. You don't need to have uh, – it's not like you're going to be, like, confused about how you pronounce the pinion. Like, knowing how to pronounce the pinion is a separate task from remembering what the pinion spelling is. And so if Christopher Walken successfully reminds you of that particular um, uh, letter – then your knowledge of pinyin will tell you how it's pronounced. So hopefully that clarifies that. And uh, yeah, cool. Thanks, William. Next, let's move on to our movie scene shares. These are full mnemonic scenes that we'll give a little feedback about or uh, say that they're awesome in relation to learning Chinese characters. So first we have make a movie for Hua, and this is Della Fuller's story. Heath Ledger and Lord Varys are trying to have a quiet conversation in the lobby of my E location. So Lord Varys represents the top part of this character because it's a, a person with a blade uh, in between their legs. So we went up with a eunuch there and Lord Varys is a eunuch. So uh, you can figure out why for yourself. And so he says, but the Rolling Stones mouth is constantly annoying them with his inane chatter and boasting. He refuses to leave them alone, even though they have made their impatience and frustration very clear. Finally, they both look at each other, jump up and grab him, and march him off to the nearest bathroom, where they struggle to fit him into the toilet bowl using brute strength and a toilet plunger. So, uh, I like it. We have the uh, pronunciation covered. We have the... Uh, props in Lord Varus and the eunuch. We have Heath Ledger as the part of the pronunciation in the hallway of the E location. Um, and they're fitting him into the toilet bowl. The only thing that I would worry about is that it ends in the bathroom. So you might end up thinking that this is pronounced because it ends in the bathroom, but it does start in the right place. So uh, maybe you want to fit um, the Rolling Stones mouth into something else uh, so that you don't potentially get confused there. But still, overall, I would say it's a good scene. Della Fuller on Make a Movie for Gay, which means to give. Gabriel is on the basketball court of my EI location. He is playing hard with his team, sweating and breathing heavily. Suddenly, trumpets sound and a prince, with all of his entourage, march onto the court. One of the servants places a silk-covered chair and stool in front of Gabriel. So that must be her representation of the silk component to the left. He politely gestures for him to sit down. Gabriel touches the upholstery with pleasure and happily sits down. Immediately, the prince kneels before him and gestures for Gabriel to give him his foot. Gabriel is reluctant, but the prince continues to urge him to do so. Finally, Gabriel agrees and gives him his foot. The prince looks hopeful and brings out the glass slipper. Unfortunately, the shoe doesn't fit. The prince gives Gabriel a disappointed look Gabriel shrugs his shoulders and jumps into the prince's arms. They live happily ever, ever, after, ever after. That's got a funny ending. So the uh, glass slipper is the prop she she chose for fit because only it only fits Cinderella. That's a good uh, association to have with Hu. And we have the silk um, chair. And the idea of presenting someone with uh, a gift in that way, in that very formal setting, I think it's actually a quite good idea of give. I mean, obviously, her focus is on giving him his foot. I think the focus should actually be on the prince giving the glass slipper because it's like this ceremonial, uh, I'm granting you this great you know, thing. It could be an award or a glass slipper or something. But otherwise, I like the, the theme of this. It's, it's quite good. Della Fuller on Make a Movie for Na, which means to hold or pick up. Neil is kneeling in Olivia's kitchen, holding a glass slipper out to her. She misunderstands and holds out her hand to grab it, but she forgets that she has a giant foam hand on. So she is unable to hold it, and the glass slipper falls and smashes in a million pieces. So much for fairy tale happy endings. Yeah, I like it because... 
the contrast is shown that she can't hold it. That's the problem of the scene. So she's got the foam hand representing show at the bottom. She's got the glass zipper representing who at the top. And uh, yeah, great. I like that scene. Awesome. Della Fuller on make a movie for shit, which means hole, like a long, large hole in the ground. Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the lobby of my e-location in response to a tragedy. People are milling about, but Arnold quickly ascertains that a certain uh, a section of the roof has come down and trapped a little goat. Okay, all right. Because the animal's legs are sticking out from under the debris. Ah, there we, there we go. Arnold quickly takes control of the situation. He begins wielding a pickaxe in order to create a hole. He continues to work away at the debris, enlarging the hole little by little. Finally, a little face can be seen, and Arnold is able to pull the baby goat out of the hole to thunderous applause and much media attention. Um, yeah, the only thing I'm concerned about here is the introduction of the pickaxe, because the two props are the roof and the uh, animal legs, right? And so I think that he should probably just use his hands, because the, the thing you risk messing up there is that if he has the pickaxe, then you're going to maybe think back in this and think there must be an axe in this um, in this scene. So just be careful with adding in extra props, but otherwise the scene's uh, quite solid. Next, we have George Laura on Make a Movie for Xiao, as in uh, school. Angelique Kerber, a famous German tennis athlete, uh, finished her tennis workout and comes home onto the AO site. The only thing she now likes is to have she now wants to do is have a shower. But what a pity the whole bathroom is full with grown trees. <laughs> nice. And between the trees she sees a lot of networking cable which seems to connect the trees. What what's what? Now she detects the big sign hanging from the ceiling, "Welcome to Tree School." <laughs> nice. And this course of course Tree School kind of rhymes with preschool, so you know, maybe you can add some things maybe to make it even clearer that it's a school, like I don't know, there's a chalkboard or there's some desks and like something that that's okay to add because it's related to the meaning. So uh, but yeah, I like this this scene. It's pretty cool. And of course, she's disappointed that she wants to take a shower and so that reminds you that it's fourth tone. I like it. Stella Fuller on make a movie for sure, as in uh, the as in style. We are in the backyard of my childhood home. There is an archery competition occurring. All of the competitors look similar and have similar styles of shooting their arrows. Suddenly, Sean Connery enters the arena. He is styled in a gorgeous Scottish kilt, white skirt, and knee socks. The audience begins to murmur and point, appreciating his stylish outfit. He saunters up to the to his spot and instead of an arrow pulls an I-beam out of his quiver. The audience gasps. He stands legs apart, slightly bent in order to accommodate the large I-beam in his, into his bow. His style is unorthodox but effective. The center of the target is completely annihilated. He turns and gives a stylish bow to the wildly appreciative audience. Yeah, I like this. The multiple uses of different forms the word style and uh, gets the I-beam involved with the at the archery competition, which the arrow is the other prop. And uh, yeah, love it. Great. Della Fuller on make a movie for sure, as in to try. So the three props will be a megaphone, arrow, and I-beam. Continuing on from the previous movie scene, where Sean Connery showed off his impeccable style and wins the archery competition by shooting an I-beam and annihilating the target, in this round, the crowd is begging Sean to try to shoot the arrow with his bow instead of, an I uh, of the I-beam. Try, 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 they chant. Sean picks up the arrow, then uh, puts it down and picks up the I-beam going back and forth, undecided. Finally, he fits the arrow into his bow and shoots it wildly off target. He throws up his hands as if to say, see, I tried, and it was a complete failure. He then picks up the I-beam, shoots it, and annihilates the target once again. Um, so, let's see here. The only thing I'm worried about here is that we don't seem to have introduced the megaphone component here. Or, well, it may not have been a megaphone for you. Maybe it was some, uh, maybe it was some different... Um, yeah, I think that you forgot to introduce the new component here because shirt from the previous scene has an arrow and I beam, but this hasn't introduced, introduced the new component, which is the, uh, which is the, what we call the megaphone. It's the, the language component, right? So 
finally fits the arrow into his bow and shoots it all. Yeah, so I can't see where that's in, so we still need to get that megaphone in, but that's easy enough. We could probably just get that in by having the whole audience, when they're doing their chant, they're all picking up megaphones and going, try, try, try. Um, so yeah, that sounds fine. Della Fuller on Make a Movie for Fun. Frank is sitting in front of a curtain stage in the backyard of my EN location. The curtains open, and the rock steps out. In full Hamlet costume, he begins with grand gestures, to be or not to be, that, and he stops. Frank stands up confused, and holds out his hands, palms up as if to ask, what, what's going on here? The rock shakes his pointer finger back and forth and answers, you only get a portion of the play unless you pay up. <laughs> the rock... Uh, holds out a hat, and Frank reluctantly plods up to the front of the stage and puts in his admission money. He returns to his seat, and the rock continues. To be or not to be? That is the question. Nice. So, um, yeah, I like it. Uh, can't see any problems with this one. I'd say that um, it's kind of it's a pretty um, smart idea that he only gets a portion of the play until he pays up. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Cool. Della Fuller on Make a Movie for Gang, which means just happened. Gabriel is at the entrance of Erica Wong's apartment. He is working up the stairs, he's walking up the stairs, carrying a pair of scissors and a vegetable peeler under a glass cover. Nice. The glass cover shatters and the scissors and vegetable peeler go flying across the cement. Erica comes to the door, sees Gabriel face down on the pavement, glass everywhere, and implements an implement strewn across the sidewalk. And with her hands out, palms up, she asks, what just happened? So, yeah, the, the, I think the idea of getting across just happened should have something very quickly happen and where somebody walks in or, or knows uh, a situation was one way and then they suddenly change to another way and uh, they shout, what just happened? I like, you know, that, I like that. That's a good, good scene. We got the props involved. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. <laughs> Darren Rieger on Make a Movie for Joe. Robert De Niro is starving and runs into the bathroom of my OU set because he can smell some meat in there. Inside, he keeps sniffing and can smell the meat but can't find it. Over in the corner is an umbrella but no meat. He puts in it on his x-ray goggles, internal prop, and now he, has, uh, he sees that the meat is under the umbrella. Nice. So that's, that's clear. Got all the props we need. Um, <laughs> I like that. He goes in because he can smell some meat in there. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you got to use the x-ray goggles to figure it out. Every prop is involved. Uh, I like it. George Loran, make a movie for Bay. Boris Becker comes to the backyard of my EI set. He eagerly needs money as a regular. He wants to set uh, to sell the cat suit of his last spouse. He stumbles into a Hell's Angels rocker, uh, his... P, prop, for skin, leather. Yeah, because they always wear leather, right? Sure. He offers him the cat suit. The last thing he remembers is a hard knock on his head, and then the rocker wraps him into a blanket. Well, that's the only way this guy will yield some money. Ransom. Okay, nice. So he gets wrapped in a blanket, which is the meaning of the character, and the cat suit is the left side component. The Hells Angels rocker is the right side component. And that's a pretty wild scene, so I think that should be very memorable. Nice. Next, we have Richard Krauss on Make a Movie for Die, which means like a, a belt or, or to take something along with you. I couldn't resist a movie based on recent events. Donald Trump, D, is in the backyard of a house on the tropical island of Langkawi, AI, surrounded by palms and uh, bougainvillea. <laughs> B bougainvillea. I think that might be a type of plant. <laughs> bougainvillea. V v I don't know. <laughs> he wants to... Uh, do another photo shoot for his evangelical political base. <laughs> so he is carrying not one, not two, but three Christian crosses and is wearing a crown of thorns. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Along with his business suit. In the 32 degrees Celsius heat and 95% humidity. He is sweating profusely, so the cameraman holds, uh, hands him a large beach towel uh, to dry off before snapping the photos. Nice. Uh, I like it. Yeah, so... Um, 
Yeah, we've got the three Christian crosses, and of course, current events is fine. Uh, this Obviously, this will date itself if people are watching far in the future, but there was a recent thing with Donald Trump going outside of a, a church and holding up a Bible. Uh, it was weird. Uh, okay, cool. Gotcha. Nice. I like that scene. Della Fuller on Make a Movie for Tien, which means in front of. It also means in the past. Chelsea bursts into my kitchen of my AN location. She has a Viking helmet on her head and a vegetable peeler in her hand. A perfect pumpkin sits on the table, and eerie music plays in the background. She peers out the window at the moon rising over the horizon. She holds the peeler up, start, ready to start the ritual peeling of the pumpkin for the spell. But she cannot begin before the moon is in exactly the right place in the sky. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, the pumpkin, the existence of the pumpkin there, I guess you could say is related to the meaning, because she has to wait until the moon is in the perfect place place before she can start peeling and of course it relates to the peeler it's a little bit um I, again i worry that the pumpkin's going to make you think that that's supposed to be a prop in the scene uh but otherwise i like it darren rieger on make a movie for die zach galifianakis follows a pot of soil that is mysteriously zipping about into the bathroom of my ai set to catch it okay nice he puts a uh cloche a glass cover prop on top but somehow it escapes he does it again it escapes again finally he puts the cloche on top then puts a heavy razor blade on top and the cloche uh, on top of the cloche so it'll never escape again sure yeah that's fine enough we've got the three props there and uh i think that that's um you know, again, again is an abstract concept. So, like, the fact that it keeps happening over and over again, like, have a lot of frustration on Zach Galifianakis' face, like, uh, again, you know, like that kind of thing. It should be fine. Della, Della Fuller on Make a Movie for Jal. George is in the background of my AO location holding a knife. The Rolling Stones' mouth is bouncing from ear to ear, irritating George with his constant inquiries as to what George is doing. Finally, George has had enough. He stops in the middle of the yard, lifts both of his, of his hands to the heavens, and tries to summon help. He begs the gods above to remove this irritant from his life. To his surprise, his summons works. The skies part, a bolt of lightning appears, and the Rolling Stone's mouth is no more. Although I'm sure he will reappear in future scenes. <laughs> As uh, I'm, I'm sure he will too. Yeah, I like that. The summoning... Uh, the summoning of the gods and, uh, of course, the Rolling Stone's mouth gaining its own personality of being so annoying is cool. And, of course, uh, um, he's holding the knife there as well. I'd say that we could get the knife maybe more involved with this. So maybe the, um, you know, as he's reaching forward, the summons, like, initially uh, is, it's like the knife creates the clouds opening somehow. Like, there's like a beam of light that shoots out from the knife because the knife he's just holding the knife in the scene so it's like it's not very involved so we could get it, it make it a part of what makes the summoning work but yeah i like it jack on make a movie for in see i like this one this is very short and sweet why i character fighting the gingerbread man in a boxing ring outside the en location in a charity match for a good cause so you could just have you know, a, a donation bucket there. I love how simple that scene is. Um, you know, the actor fighting one of the props is Gingerbread Man, and then they're in the boxing ring, which is the other prop. Perfect. Love it. Dan Helslut on Make a Movie for She, which means relationship. Wedding in the backyard of my childhood home. My XI character shows Ant-Man and Wee-Man that they can cut the wedding pie with the katana to solidify their relationship. Nice. So Ant-Man and Wee-Man are the two, uh, <laughs> or yeah, the nice. They're the two um, props there. And of course, the katana is the final one at the top to solidify their relationship. And of course, that's exactly what a wedding cake does. So love it. Nice. Another one from Dan Helslut on Make a Movie for Ma. My M actor squints his eyes because he thinks he sees his mum at the entrance of my A set. Upon getting closer, he realizes it is a horse who put on some red lipstick. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I like that. That's that's fine. Um, you know, it might be hard to remember that it was. he thought it was his mom at the beginning, but maybe you can imagine um, that the horse is, like, you know, wearing the exact same clothes that uh, his mom would wear. 
uh, if you know what the M actor's mom looks like. If not, you can imagine your own mom. Alex Sumray on Make a Movie for Bing, which means ice. Beyonce is outside my ENG set. The White Walkers are coming. Dun, dun, dun. Everything turn, turning to ice as they walk. Beyonce takes a deep breath, readying herself uh, fire hydrant in hand. So fire hydrant is the shui component. Let's do this. She starts to fire the powerful jet of water at them, but it just freezes in midair. The main White Walker fella, whose name escapes me, the Night King, uh, snaps uh, uh, snaps an icicle from this, chucks it at Beyonce, who is instantly frozen in her famous single ladies pose. <laughs> Very memorable scene, Alex. And uh, yeah, the the White Walkers being the representation of the meaning are perfect. And of course, we have the icicle and the fire hydrant and Beyonce. I love it. Great scene. Next, we have Della Fuller on Make a Movie for Shaw, as in Jia Shaw. Sean Connery is in the backyard of my AO location, surrounded by many people at a cocktail party. He is relaxing on a lounge chair with a beautiful silk throw over his legs, so that'll be the left side component, sipping a gin and tonic. On the table beside him, there is a small bell. Every time he rings, the, uh, every time he rings the bell is a signal for someone to come over to Sean's chair, shake hands, and make some small talk so that they can get acquainted. So nice. So the bell is like a summoning bell, I suppose, that uh, Della chose, like maybe, um, you know, a, a, a British aristocrat in the 1920s would use to get their servant to come. And uh, so that's the representation of the right side component, which means summon. We've got the silk um, the silk throw over his legs. And the, and the point is that the summoning leads to somebody getting acquainted, which is the uh, meaning of the character. Love it. Thanks, Della. That's all for this week's Mandarin Blueprint podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Check out mandarinblueprint.com and we'll see you very soon.